Welcome to the Tone Duff Sessions, hosted by Bruce Duff, author of The Smell of Death, musician, producer, and artist manager. The conversations are recorded at Tone Duff Studio in Hollywood, California, and are a feature of Rare Bird Radio. Hey everybody, thanks for finding Tone Duff Session number 10. Today our guests are James Fernley, who has had a long and distinguished musical career as the accordionist with the Pogues and Low and Sweet Orchestra and now Cranky George, and David Kendrick, a drummer who has played with innumerable bands that you love, like Sparks, Gleaming Spires, Andy Preboy, and of course, Devo, and many other things. We're going to talk about them all. Let's jump right in. I mean, you guys are all still working and making music. Uh, first Just of about. All, yeah, you know. Uh, say hi, this is David here. Hello, this is David. David Kendrick, amazing drummer. James Fernley, uh, multi-instrumentalist, but I would say most people know you as an accordion, accordionist. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm primarily an accordion player, but I can, I, I, can make, I can make anything sound reasonably okay if I have... If I put my mind to like a short sort of thing, like if I want, if I know that I want a clarinet to do a certain thing, then I'll practice that one thing and then learn that and then move uh. on to the, you know, I'm yeah, I'm a charlatan. Really. And then will you remember how the clarinet works like six months later? No. Yeah. So you're like a Brian Jones type of guy, basically. Like, yeah. Make it work. Oh Christ Almighty, that's fateful. Well, no, I mean, you've already, you've already <laughs> outlived three, in the couple pool times. You're all right. You're yeah, right. you've passed the magic 27. Yeah, you're, you're okay. I didn't mean anything like doomsday about it. And then, uh, you know, let, well, let's kind of talk about, I guess, just to get going, a little bit of backstory. Uh, David, you're from Chicago, and we were just sort of talking about, uh, you know, playing around in the U.S. in the late 70s and sort of the environment of cover bands and that kind of thing and trying to find a, a niche somewhere to get going, maybe... Kick us into gear of your your early days in that sort of realm. Yeah, out of high school, in I just I kind of knew what I wanted to do, and I bought a van and a drum set and moved to Chicago, which was the big town close to me. And then that time you could play a lot. There were lots of clubs, but you, know, you would play uh, cover songs of the day to some degree. Uh, and there was very little original music in Chicago. I mean, there were the blues clubs and that, but it was a huge circuit, and you could play 20 shows, play 20 nights a, a month, and actually make a living, uh, which I did for a while, but as soon as I had an inkling of, I was trying to write original stuff in all of those bands, and none of them kind of worked. Uh, so as soon as I had an opportunity to come out here uh, from a, the phone call, uh, I jumped at it. But, um, Where'd the phone call come from? A guy named Kim Fowley. Kim oh, Fowley! Yeah, yeah. and he sold me over the f phone. On, on he, was, he had already done The Runaways, and he was doing yeah. another punk band. And he, was, he did the, um, the Kevin Bacon thing. He said, name two of your favorite artists. And I think I said, Velvet Underground. And somebody said, oh, well, I know them because I work with... Blah, blah, blah. And he like sold me, and I... I he sent wired me a little money and I packed up my drums and so I. So how come drove. Kim Fowley Kim reached Fowley, out to a you? A friend of mine worked that I knew from Chicago also worked went to L.A. and worked for him. A guy named yeah. Scott Goddard and he was the connection. Uh, but that got me. I just dropped everything. And Wait, now Scott Goddard ended up being a producer, but he was in a band too, right? Was he later? Later on, he was. Yeah, we were we were kind of never in bands together, but we kind of kept up. 
I feel like I know him from Enigma Records and all Enigma, that. Enigma, kind of yeah, and then he wrote songs for people, and then he had his own cowpunk period, that kind of thing. But he worked actually for Kim Fowley in those days. Okay, sort of like a go-to find, kind of like yeah. a street guy, yeah, street A and R yeah, guy. Yeah. All right. And Fowley was just, you know, he would start something and then get it signed and then totally lose interest in it. But then move on to the next move thing. Move on to the next yeah. thing, yeah. All right. He was a, a, a serial... <laughs> yeah, a serial <laughs> Svengali. Yeah, ser- yeah, yeah. But he would tell you that right up front. No, yeah, probably, no probably he was an interesting that. guy. Uh, I've Very, off and on yeah. had different dealings with him over the years, and what always amazed me about him is that I mean, whatever you say about him nowadays, but he was a walking encyclopedia yes. of, hmm. of modern music. And yeah. he could cross-reference things that in was, a way that was, you wouldn't normally think of. Yeah. So he was a guy, kind of guy that would put people together from all sorts of... Uh, not always, but I mean, he he just knew the history of stuff and how, hmm. how different artists or songwriters or whatever would connect, and, and oftentimes in ways that you didn't know about. Yeah, yeah. And he was involved in a yeah. lot of pop stuff earlier on like from Alley Oop and then he had a period in England where he had a lot of behind the scenes stuff anyway yeah very fascinating guy Mm. I think I'm one of the few guys that ever got 150 bucks out of him all right (laughs) (laughs) it got me out here (laughs) did he actually fly you out he wired me money, and I drove my van and all my all right. out here. So what? Uh, what wow. was? What group was he trying to put it's you? Called into? Venus and the Razorblades. Sure, and, and then that's that's where Nikki Beach sort of was in for a few minutes and got minutes, his way yeah. to the weirdos. Yeah, and then then I came out here, and after that kind of fell apart. I stayed and oh, yeah. started bands. You know. Do you kind of yeah. bounce around between a few local bands? Yeah, I, there were bands. Stick, yeah, stuck. Yeah, Bates Motel and Continental Miniatures, which got on London, and I was more pop in the punk era. I well, it's funny because you, uh, what I looked up something on a Devo site, uh-huh. and it mentioned the uh, Continental Miniatures, which I found as we were talking about the amazing hmm. ability to find obscure yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. I found it on uh, YouTube. It pre- I thought it was pretty good. Yeah. But I could only find that one song. Oh, well, you had a whole, a whole album. There's a whole right? album too. Yeah. But yeah, and then and then eventually kind of a split duel to uh, uh, playing drums in more known bands like Sparks and then uh, you always have a, a side band where I was writing kind of so there was a little of that duality kind of going on through, through a number of so years So you were like starting bands yourself but also playing session presumably you call it session Kind of both for... yeah I was more always more band but I would yeah. do some session stuff but then once you get in a band that's known like Sparks you're kind of doing that pretty much but then yeah. I had a group Gleaming Spires at the same time that did records so we had personnel in common so just so I have that, I, I've mm. read it. Uh, I've read about it a few different about times. And the lineage is a little confusing. You were in Bates Motel, and that rhythm section became it the became Sparks, Sparks rhythm spe- right. section, and then Gleaming Spires grew out of that as sort of a side thing. Right. Is that Gle- yeah, Gleaming right? Spires. Yeah, was kind of Les, who was in Bates Motel with me. We kind of wrote more specific songs for that, and then when yeah, Sparks at that time we. It was weird. They were so big in England yeah. earlier on, and then my period it was France, and All then right. the U.S. But meaningless in England. I mean, there was oh. a serious. <laughs> oh, I didn't know that. No interest in the group. But the biggest time in the states. Well, Womp That Sucker was a Womp big hit on K Rock. K Rock that launched those type that of kind stations. of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So and, and then I, I saw him at Coachella like uh, three years yeah, ago. Yeah, just the two brothers. Yeah. At that point. Yeah. Oh, it's bonkers. Yeah. 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 
Yeah, so I stayed with him for five records, about as long as anyone ever has. Sure. Which one's the um, the cool places? The piano angst in my pants. Oh, Ron. 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 So, so my kids, like all Californian kids, do they go to an orthodontist to get the teeth straightened? <laughs> and I happen to see on the desk, the reception desk, um, Ron Mail's, um, you know, like teeth with his. That wing thing that they've put in oh, to separate oh, a retainer. The, like no, I think to, to open the lips away from the teeth so that all you can see is teeth. Oh, oh, oh. Ah. and that was his gob right there in front of me <laughs> while I was uh, wow. waiting for my daughter to come out of her session. That's it, you know that's a Los Angeles story. Yeah. <laughs> you ever heard one? Yeah. So James, t tell us, kind of give us the same sort of background of you sort of carving well, your way into music. Um, well, I can't, I can't describe a, a similar thing at all. Because while well, I was listening to David, that, um, that um, do you know, I forget who the, who the artist is, but he used to do a thing called, there's a magazine called Zigzag in sure, England. Yeah. And you remember all those family tree things? Yeah, yes. Yeah. Which I, I got They're both great. books of those, like those just, yeah. just lately, because I was interested in, um, you know, music in Manchester and Hull, which was it's an interesting sort of thing. Um, but with my zigzag sort of family tree thing, I think it's just a straight fucking line. Well, uh, actually, not quite a straight line. I was in a group called the Nipple Erectors with Shane sure. McGowan mm. first, although I was the fifth guitarist that they'd had, and I was playing with the tenth drummer, so I was hanging by a thread as soon as I walked into the audition. Um, I'd been in a few bands around town before then. I'd had a, a great... Uh, um, and primarily as a guitarist, correct? As a guitarist, then yeah, ah, okay. I, was, I had a Telecaster and my amp head and everything, and and, and, um, and some speakers. I didn't used to carry those around London, but I went around London and played sort of auditions for all sorts of bands. I got myself into a soul band for a bit, and this was after basically spending a bit of time in the wilderness. I went to Berlin for some time and lived there. And then this guy said to me, you're too good. You know, I was playing guitar with him in a nightclub and he said, uh, you're too good for just accompanying me. You know, fuck off back to um, London and get yourself in a band. But I went to Manchester first, earned enough money to buy the Telecaster and then came down to London and just went all around the place um, until this advert for the Nipple Erectors, you know, yeah. name band, it said. Um, so <laughs> they had a name. They had a name. <laughs> had, yeah, like most bands do, I suppose. Yeah. And um, and I so I showed that, yeah. so I showed up and and I got myself in that. And then when it came time uh, to well, Paul again, Paul Weller wanted to. He was a friend of Shane's, and he wanted to front the money to, for us to make a, a single or an EP or something like that. But our bass player was. Um, the Nips was made up out of Shane and his, the love of his life, basically, Shan. Um, she played bass and she was pregnant, not with his child, but with somebody else, the, 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 our manager's child. Oh dear. Um, and she was about to give birth at the, ta at the same time that we, that Paul Weller said, do you want to come and do this um, uh, EP? And so I said, well, I'll play the bass if you can't. And she says, no, you're not playing the bass because you're out of the band. <laughs> so uh, I got sacked uh, <laughs> at that point. And then, um, and then 18 months later, then Jem Finer, who's the Pogues banjo player, came round with a, an accordion in a laundry bag and said, Shane wants you to learn how to play this because he knows you can play the piano. Why can't you play this? So that's how I got into the Pogues, was, was, was totally... Um, 
messenger service basically I didn't get in the Kim Fowley uh, phone call right. you know, like, here's an accordion bring it down to rehearsal. here's an accordion learn this yeah basically ah. well the best keyboard yeah. player I personally know same thing happened to him somebody gave him an accordion player and go accordion said can mm. you figure this out and he said it was the hardest thing he ever did like just really? the sheer physicality of like no no getting it's, the it's, thing going. yeah well accordion is notes right not concertina concertina is just buttons that have no bearing to anything else isn't that right well they, they must have bearing to each other otherwise people wouldn't right. be able to play them but, but um um uh, but the concertina um is you you get one note if you press a button in you, you draw it you get yeah, one yeah, note yeah. if you press it you get another one um so that's so the accordion is though related to a piano. I mean, in terms of the the piano accordion, yeah. yeah, yeah. But there's also the button accordion but, too, which is this, on the same principle as a, a concertina that you pull one note and you push another one. Okay. Oh, I didn't know that. Ah, uh, yeah. So no, that, that seems I've, complicated. It is to unnecessarily complicated. That like involves music. <laughs> yeah, no, it involves uh, it involves practicing. Yeah. Which is something that I never really did, except right at the beginning I did. But I don't do it. I don't do it anymore because yeah. it's just like playing the piano. But it's 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 swiveled around and it's on your chest, and and you just have to go like this. I don't bother with the buttons on the other side. That's like the dark side of the moon. For me, <laughs> like, um, Those are full chords, right? Isn't that yeah, they are. But it's all it's all laid out in um, in uh, the circle of fifths. Okay, yeah. which I guess kind of makes sense if you're if you're you yeah. Know. But then a lot of it's muscle memory because you can't see it. Right. So you so just have to remember how far you have to stretch one finger to the to the next. Right. But then being with the Pogues for, for you know for the first within the first six months, I realised that it was pointless <laughs> using the left hand because there was so much racket going on. So so the only thing that you could actually effectively hear was the was the piano side. So I just discontinued the uh, the left hand side. I'm, I'm a, a cheat, really. Well, I mean, you, <laughs> you've played on a ton of records. You're a go-to accordion player. No, so obviously, yeah, know. that's true. But I'm still a cheat. Well, okay. I mean, there's a lot of musicians that are probably going to pay a lot of money that you could, they probably don't know which is the F and which yeah. is the G, you know, that's all right. Right, no, that's yeah. fine. Uh, all right, <laughs> so then uh, life with the with the Pogues, mm. that went on for years and years and years, but there were a lot of starts and stops. Did you? But you hung through the whole deal, right? I hung through, hung through the whole deal. We started 1980, I think uh, the, um, the first gig was 1982. And then, um, and then we we let go of a drummer, and then, and then we got another drummer who we really wanted from the, the from the outset. So he then he joined after that. I think reluctantly to begin with, um, and then we had a bass player that left in 1987 uh, to go marry Elvis Costello. Um, she was a girl. Mm -hmm. Right. That was just a, you know well, include you know being a boy, but it's uh, uh, she was a girl. And um, and then 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 things got particularly hairy in the course of those first nine years. <laughs> and in '91, we had to let Shane go, uh, which was difficult to do. Um, and then I stayed with the Pogues for another two years. Um, then they, uh, in fact, no, I wasn't with them for the whole thing because they carried on and made another record after I had left. And I came to live here in 1993, got married, started a family. Um, then got into a band here called Low and Sweet Orchestra with Xander um, um, Schloss playing the guitar, who used to be in Circle Jerks, and with uh, Mike Mart, who mm. was in Thelonious Monster. Actually, with Xander in Thelonious Monster too. And, and Tex and the Horseheads. And Tex and the Horseheads, yeah, indeed. 
And then uh, with two other guys called Tom Barter, who's still working with Zanderschloss now, and a, and a drummer called Will Hughes, I don't know what he's up to right now. Uh, Mike runs a rec recording studio in Long Beach somewhere, I think, and Zander's still out there playing. Um, and then at that time, um, with the Lower Street Orchestra, there's a couple of friends that I knew uh, a neighbour of or met through Danielle my wife who was an actress um, who was Donna in La Bamba when I read that yesterday and oh. my mind was just blown <laughs> one of my favourite all time rock movies I, oh I love yeah, it yeah I only, I only ever saw it the once and it was on a videotape that kind of ran fast in little spurts yeah. uh, um, <laughs> and it was really difficult to, to concentrate on what was what was going on but you've never seen it I've seen it, but oh. in, in, a, in a faulty form. You've got to it see it. In, it's, it's amazing. All right. It's incredible. Yeah. And I our mean, kids have never seen he, it. He wrote think. Donna, and it's like the pinnacle of his career. It's like this most mm. simple song, but it's so heartfelt. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's, it's a throbber. you got to yeah. love it. I love that movie. And so, uh, through Danielle, the wife, uh, I met Dermot Mulroney, who's an actor, sure. uh, cello player, mandolin player, guitar player, <sighs> everything. Uh, and his brother Kieran, who I now play with still, um, so I've been playing with them for like twenty something years um, in the Lowen Street Orchestra. And then when Lowen Street Orchestra finished, then uh, we formed a thing called the Cranky George Trio, which is just the three of us. And then we added um, a Chicago guy called uh, Brad Wood. I don't know if you know him. Oh, I, yeah, I do. Bass yeah. player, right? Yeah. Bass player, producer too. He, yeah, he, yeah. He's with uh, the Bangles amongst yeah, others yeah, and the yeah, Smashing yeah, yeah. I think Pearl Jam too as well. I think. I don't, I'm not sure actually. Uh, Pete Yorn and um, and Liz Fair more than anybody I would say. Because okay. he, he was in her band for a while. Uh. 2001 the Poles got back together to do reunion stuff and so we did that until 2014. We haven't played since. Because I think Shane got really fed up. Really, really fed up. Um, and in the meantime, I've been working with uh, well, it was it was shrunk to just Cranky George, and so we've got our our debut album, which has taken ages to make, coming out actually tomorrow. Yeah, and uh, we've got some of that to play. Uh, yeah, which we could actually play now. But before I do, I have a question. In that, I was reading about it, and if I understood it correctly, the band was made up of one-man bands. Is that yeah, so was that an early thing, thing or not? It was an early thing. It was an early thing. Um, just somebody actually happened to, to, to say, oh, you like a band of one-man bands, because we had uh, Brad Wood playing the bass and, uh, and a hatbox bass drum that, that I made out of a couple, like a little suitcase yeah. and a hatbox. Did anyone do a Tischboom Bosch? Is it what? A Tischboom Bosch, the what? German one-man band. The Tischboom Bosch? Is that like a... It's um, a... It's, it's a yeah, it's like a I know what you mean. But it's like an old skiffle thing. Yeah, with, yeah, with, with yeah. Sorry, yeah. yeah, all that. A zobstick, we call it in England. Oh, zobstick. Yeah. Okay. Um, no, so it's, it's just three one-man bands. It's just a hatbox bass drum oh, uh, nice. with a pedal on it, and okay. I used to play the snare with a with a pedal stick on it, and then Dermot would have the hi hat, and Kieran would have a cowbell, so we would just sort of hang together like that, um, which was fun and. Uh, curious and so on and so forth but musically speaking it didn't really sort of <laughs> take off a lot of angry know. drummers in the audience going <laughs> <laughs> you know, fuck them, worse than the drum machine they've been <laughs> still eliminating us <laughs> 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 
And then we got a drummer, but we made him stand up, which uh, I'm used to drummers standing up throughout my career with the Pogues, that we uh, we wouldn't let the drummer sit down until he hurt his finger and nearly got septicemia. Oh dear. And then he begged to, to be able to sit down. Because it's just the wrong, ang- wrong angle for a, a stand-up, bas- a stand-up uh, drummer to have uh, the, the kit at the level of sitting. Yeah. And then he just kept smashing his knuckle against a, a lug nut oh. on the snare drum and That's got sent to see me and yeah. That's painful. Well, uh, why yeah. don't we play a Cranky George song and which one would you like to hear? Put Nighttime on first. Signifies, signaling everything 
And it's only hit once. You can't go wrong with this <laughs> Well, we should probably mention that since we just heard the song. 5th of November, 19th November, 3rd of December. Yeah. So it's almost like an every two-week type of deal. Oh, yeah, sure. That's right. it. Yeah. There we go. I don't know why, why that would be. Okay. The fall, fall season. Yeah. Sure. A fall, that's very this, well put. It's a fall. season. A, a season. season. A seasonal Molly residency at Molly Malone. <laughs> Where we love the food as well as the music. There. You love the food at Molly Malone's? Not bad. They got a good Isn't Irish it? stew. Huh? No, you you disagree? I've, I've never. I've oh, never, I thought you were looking at me like I'm some kind of well, the, the, you know, the UK basher for like yeah. that horrible version of it. <laughs> no, the the place I've seen come out in front of people while you know after the, we've done the sound check and everything, it's just been like like soggy fries. Or, or I've, no, I've had some good stuff there, but yeah, yeah, maybe the fries aren't the way to go. Okay, okay. I've, although I'd, I'm sure I've had the fish and chips. And maybe yeah, maybe the fries wasn't the, right. uh, the standout of their menu. Uh, not known for my culinary expertise, <laughs> however. So you know, what can I tell you? Uh, uh, David, why don't we talk about your new music a little bit? You were talking about uh, you've got a psychedelic band going, and yeah. we were also talking about uh, archival psychedelic music, sort of uh, you know, experiencing a whole renaissance here. And in fact, this weekend is the Desert Days right. festival out in right. Joshua Tree, where. Uh, all sorts of psychedelic and somewhat heavier bands are playing, and they're saying rock is not dead after all. So are you talking about Old Cella? No, no. That's like, happened. It, there's two festivals oh yeah, that's out going on as well. So yeah. it's a no time to be on the ten, I guess, is what this yeah. all means. Yeah. Uh, but there's you know out where they have in India where they have Coachella. Yeah. Uh, they also have a thing called Desert Days out in Joshua Tree. Yeah. Which is it's more like a kind of a nouveau that. psychedelic type oh, of right. bands, younger bands. Yeah. Uh, pretty some pretty crazy stuff. Uh, wow! I think it's going to be exciting. So, uh, but you've been you've been sort of archive digging up archival uh, psych music. Yeah, How'd England. You get I'm, into that. You pick. Well, I was just fascinated by it. It came not out of nowhere, but seemingly it just 
launched almost full form and, and affected every band. I mean, from mm. the Beatles, Stones, on down to... Yeah. And you look at every heavy, all the Deep Purples and Black Sabbaths, when they all were right. 17, yeah. they were all in psychedelic bands. for, And it was really the case everywhere oh, in the it. world. Yeah, all right. yeah, and I, I just it was absolutely fascinated by what that was, and it was this att attempt at kind of stretching the boundaries mm. of pop music it's say, staying within a pop song length more more in England but here yeah. it kind of went longer and longer songs and elsewhere in the world but I was sort of fascinated by how, how that happened so anyway I've been yeah. tracking down and you know many many bands did one or two singles not even whole albums and mm. it was just a lot of great stuff so in England then it was kind of like the uh, in between the R&B scene and then and then the heavier rock heavier rock or prog rock or, and then prog like, too yeah like all the yes guys were in uh, they were all psych bands yeah they, all of those every all of those kind of guys dating from dating from like 68 69 right, yeah. yeah and then by 70 else. it was pretty much trailing out and then everyone right. got Heavier, yeah. got Marshall amp or heavier, and then right. yeah, either got heavier or then progged out, and then and then it got so bloated and, and hideous that you punk rock, <laughs> punk rock to straighten everyone out again. But anyway, so I, I've just I've loved that period, and now I still play in half a dozen things, but I, a couple guys up in San Francisco and Tracy mm. and me, I'm kind of launching, and I get to write about stuff I like, cosmology and, and time travel and. And the basics, bacteria. You know. yeah. and, well, you, know, you, well you, don't, Back you, you don't sing them. Well, no, I write the lyrics, but, I, yeah. Yeah, but I don't sing them. So, and then I drum in the thing too. But All so right. it's. Fun. But you're a multi-instrumentalist as a well, degree. right? Yeah, I mean, I mean you're writing the music as I'm, well. I write the cases. music, but I'm more of a lyricist, yeah. drummer in a lot of these groups. So how does how does it work? Do you do you go into the, a room, right, rehearsal room, and and then this is Some, sometimes we'll come head. up with riffs, and then sometimes I have, I will just I always come lyrics first before yeah. melody, and then I'll just write the melodies and and sing them to who's ever going to sing them in, yeah. in some various bands, and it works better than others in some some groups. And then I play with guys like Andy Preboy that are great. Who's amazing. Yeah. yeah, I don't know, not familiar. Uh, he uh, he was in a band called Wall, Wall of Voodoo. Voodoo. Oh, uh, all right, yeah. yeah. He was now the second singer in that, but he wrote, yeah. he sort of wrote a Gilbert and Sullivan-esque mm. musical based on the uh, uprising of Guns N' Roses, of all things, which was kind <laughs> of a, a big deal around town. It looked yeah. like he was going to even make like an off-Broadway thing, and then it, yeah. never, it never quite came to fruition. Yeah, the problem was we signed the record deal before got the uh, the yeah. Broadway portion and boy they wanted they all wanted pieces of the as they do of the music yeah so yeah it never got full Broadway production so you mean it never, I, I didn't know that it never came around just because the contracts couldn't kind, equal out sort kinda, of kinda yeah because we, we we got we signed a Universal for the music mm. and uh, that was kind of a mistake in, in retrospect but so how else how else would you go about it well we launch it it was a pre, it was a we came at it from it being a rock band rock yeah. band backgrounds and it was the musical side like like the musical theater side you yeah. the production kind of is first and then <coughs> getting the 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 cast album so to speak is mm. kind of secondary and all those people seem to all get pieces of it and we didn't know any of that Andy didn't know kind of that side so yeah. it got kind of harsh and ugly did the album ever come out no it's all record there's versions recorded but 
it was a debacle, I think, by the end. A little drunk. But it was marvelous. I mean, it, it was yeah. brilliant. I'm surprised in this right. day and age no one released it to coincide with Guns N' Roses finally yeah, coming back sure, around at like a quarter yeah. of a century. Because it was really, it was drums and keyboard, and then there were like 15 singers, and most of the yeah. roles were done by great comedians that yeah. have all become pretty, really well known since wow. then. Wow. So, yeah, anyway, and then, but I've played with him for like 20 years. What's he doing now? I don't even know. We do show, like, sort of kind of cabaret it's a little Gilbert and Sullivan a little punk rock and a little uh, Mozart all kind of <laughs> yeah. and, and you know he, he kind of minds the squalor of, of 80s uh, Hollywood you know when it wasn't pretty yeah. cleaned up uh, and uh, so that's lyrically cool. that's kind of the idea yeah where would where would anyone see him and you nowadays we uh we, I think we're going to do more at the Echoplex, but okay. we've been trying to do like like uh, like we play Getty Museum or like the Natural History Museum. So things are a little off so the like a, rock. Yeah, sit, yeah, yeah. A little. There's kind of more of a sit down kind of thing. Right. I saw it at uh, uh, it was Largo. 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 Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Which oh, is we not did there anymore. Years, I don't we think. Did, yeah. 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 Well, like a regular thing at Largo. Yeah. 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 We did it there, and all the com- Largo comedians had yeah. roles in it. Anyway, it was very fun. So back to your band uh, oh. up in the Bay Area. How how I'm always fascinated by long distance bands, even more it's than rough, long distance romance. It's rough because I'm romances. the only one down this way, and we kind of generally play up there. Yeah. Uh, and you never considered going up to San Francisco because to you live? Got, yeah. No. It's too not, expensive. I couldn't. I couldn't afford to live yeah. there. I don't think now. But I get. I we record some down here and some up there. Um, yeah, it's a the long distance commuting is not. So you're actually physically doing the back and forth. Some to some degree, yeah. And then we record up there, so I'll stay up there for periods yeah. of time. Because nowadays you but can do the long distance thing via sending files around and all. Yeah, of that. we kind of. I don't like that. I mean, for this, this is like loud guitars and lots of drums and kind of my own uh, tan- tangential lyric <laughs> fixations, you know. I mean, until there's a time machine that which is which I would like to steer the words toward, that would be the way to go. Yeah. But uh, I've actually made a couple records with a, a band in Finland. Really, we yeah. I've played with them live, but yeah. we make the records. As separate. an addendum, we did uh, this. The main guy I'm doing this with used to work uh, uh, with NASA on a uh, their Mars uh, habitats <laughs> out in the desert. So we actually went out to the desert uh, and set up and played the idea being once people would live on mars what would they do with their downtime so we did that where the idea was find out figure yeah. out something to do so we would record stuff send it to flaming lips guys and then they would send it back so oh really that's great tried some of that yeah uh how did that work out well we we kind of we fudged it a lot it was very fun to do yeah. but uh i think you would need something to keep yourself from going crazy if you were on Mars, because there would be a whole other level of loneliness yeah. and, uh, you know, D- detachment. Out. Yeah, detachment. Yeah, yeah. having it a little computer studio wouldn't hurt. Yeah, so this was one of the yeah. ideas of what to do, uh, what to do with your time. You know, yeah. it was a fun project. Really now, is that one of the cool. tracks we have queued up well, over this, here? This is really, really rough compared to the, the nicely finished one of yours. <laughs> yeah. So th- it's very raw and it's not even mixed right. But yeah, this is called time plus travel equals time because time itself is we are in a time machine all sure. the time.
Our conversation resumes talking about Shane McGowan and one of the final tours that James did with the Pogues. The, so the, the tour that we started off in Seattle in 2008, um, he'd been to some sort of charity come celebrity thing in New York and got left in somebody's apartment in Queens. And then with his minder, who at that time was was probably worse off than Shane was. Um, so that's, somehow that's the, you want uh, yeah. kind of part for the no, course. you need somebody worse off than you do in order for you to kind of step up. Do you oh, know what I, I mean? See. So oh, okay. I mean, I mean that's just the way that it worked out. But with somebody okay. sort of twigged, oh yeah, that's why he's got a minder. He's so 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 much worse off than himself. Oh, wow. And then they, they made it to Seattle. But every gig that we did from from there down through Los Angeles, we played at the um, the Nokia. Is it called the Nokia Theatre? It was then. It might be something different now. But yeah, I know what you mean. Uh, Every single one that Shane halfway through would lose consciousness and just fall straight on the ground. Holy moly. Because he was tired and fucked up. And then we got to um, New Orleans. We picked up a, a guy in Houston who was sort of a friend of a, of a friend acquaintance of the, of, of the band. And he and Shane went off into New Orleans and this was on the Halloween night oh dear yeah you could disappear into that night yeah Yeah. so the the acquaintance came back to the hotel um, smashed out of his brains and and put himself into bed and then somebody at some point in the night said okay where's Shane oh he went off with the acquaintance so they knocked on the acquaintance's door and he's fast asleep with no Shane uh, around. Oh, yeah, I left him in a bar in, on Bourbon Street. So this search commenced looking for Shane. And then the next, that later, we're a few hours before the no, then, then the, the festival was the next day. So the, oh, okay. the Voodoo Festival was in the Got afternoon. Okay. So we had the night and the morning to look for, <laughs> right. for, for Shane. And uh, one of us went into uh, the, the bar where somebody said they'd last seen him and uh, went to the barman and said, have you seen a guy with, who's really pale, he's got hair all over the place, he's got no teeth, and the guy just said, yeah, just look out there. It's full of people like that. <laughs> and indeed, Bourbon Street is just right. full of like the Halloween crowd. So what, um, so what happened was that, that Shane sort of came to at some point and then realised that he would be staying in a hotel. So he went to a hotel and put himself at the bar and ordered drinks all night. And there was a fan of uh, Pogue's fan leaving to go to the festival who sort of did a double take. Oh, there's Shane McGowan at the hotel bar. Um, and he came over and said, I'm going to see you at uh, the Voodoo Festival and you're here. Oh, yeah, I can't find a fucking band. <laughs> <laughs> so he took him to and took it and, and gave Shane his friend's ticket to get into the Voodoo Festival. <laughs> we had to start the fucking gig because there's a set time sure, that we have to yeah. start. There's a face off in the promoter's uh, office saying, We're not going to pay you because I don't see your lead singer out there. Oh, we'd always do the first couple of numbers without <laughs> without Shane. And then Shane came on with somebody else's jacket on, mud all down his pants. Um, and he robbed the, fu- the microphone off Spider, who, who our whistle player, who, who's who singing knows, in his absence, you know, knows yeah. all the words in any case. And there was a bit of a face-off between Spider and Shane about that. And um, but it, it, Shane, to all intents and purposes, it looked like 
the the last throws of the bull in a in a in the bull ring with the spears, spears in his back, it. and he was just going around the place. It was so um, everyone was like, ah, yes, touring. Yeah, <laughs> more. Yes, yes no. More I I like playing live yeah. <laughs> because you don't know what's going to happen yeah. next. Right, right. <laughs> Well, yeah, uh, during the song, we were talking about uh, continuing to play live, mm. and you were saying that it was something you, you, uh, you I it, sort of insist on doing. Much, yeah. And my thought of it is, you know, <coughs> I, I see a lot of people that kind of as they get a little bit older, they sort of retire to the, the studio, yeah. and they've got their projects and they're making music. But for me, it feels like if you're not out playing it live or putting it in front of people or kind of testing it as it goes along, it kind of becomes this sort of laboratory experiment. And the, the population around you sort of gets disconnected a little bit yeah and I, for me it's just uh, the, my instrument main instrument playing drums is the, uh, the physicality of it i just oh, love. I thought you were gonna say it's too loud to play at home <laughs> no, <laughs> that, that's true too well, that, that's true too but uh, yeah. no i mean i just i like i like playing both hands both feet i mean i really and i still yeah. like playing with other people a lot i i there's so many people kind of fall into tinkering on their computer and typing by themselves. I just, I, mm. it seems like I, I've kept purposely, I've sort of kept myself in collaborative things, songwriting, all the way through my life. I've had maybe five significant others as songwriters. Mm. And I kind of do that just for to have another mind involved in it instead yeah. of just being one of those guys that does everything himself. I think collaboration is more fun. Yeah, it and it, and it just it, it steers things in ways I I don't know. It's like I would never want to mix my own album. I just want someone else to like. No, oh, I, I wouldn't think of that. Yeah, well, collaboration is something that um, it can go badly askew too. Well, it's got to be the right person. Yeah. yeah. But well, it's it's so for me, yeah. it's like the performative part of it, because mm -hmm. because talking about the physicality of playing the drums, the the, phys the physicality of playing the accordion is is yeah. really fantastic yeah. for me. It's, I've not got all four legs and limbs right. going or, or anything, but um, but you know, to, it's a lot of work. Yeah, it's a lot yeah. of work, and to be able to jump off a drum riser when you're like sixty years old and and, and stuff is uh -huh. is uh, I've not got long. To go before I, I have to stop doing that, but while or not I can't high heel, not have like eight inch <laughs> <laughs> platform shoes on anymore. <laughs> yeah, all the all the drum risers get lower and lower yeah. and lower. So you just sort of hop yeah. off the. Yeah. Um, um, no, I I, I I love the performing yeah. thing, and I have missed it since the Pogues last did their last thing in 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 two thousand and twelve. I um, really really enjoy going out there. Um, and I enjoy playing with other people, but it's the it's the, it's the being in front of like an audience that I get a real mm -hmm. kick out of, Always which we'll be able to see coming up shortly. Do you do you have uh, any shows uh, with this group coming up or this, anything? This, uh, anyone else? The Psych Band Revolution. No, this is going to be a second album. Comes out probably February. So and that's the name of the group. Yeah, this is the music we just heard. L U S H N. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and the Empire Fun is mostly a studio. There'll be Andy Preboy shows, I think, in right. January too. Those are the main ones. And then I play with this other guy, Glenn Meadmore. Sure. Kind of hoedown stuff at about 180 miles an hour. Okay. That's what do you say, hoedown fun. stuff? Like, tell me the uh, instrumentation like as well. It's like punk rock square dance music, I guess. All right, cool. Uh, Paul, he's been at it for a good 30 yeah, years. Yeah, and right? I, I've been playing with him, him like 25 years. All right. Uh, actually, we're playing out in Palm Springs. In the yeah. Festival out there in cool. November. Cool. But yeah, so I, you know, that's a wide swath of styles. So and uh, I yeah. James, I know your book is out. Um, 
Well, it's been out for a bit. But yeah. it came out 2012? 2012 in the UK and then 2014 in, uh, wow. in, the United, in the United States. Yeah. And that's Here Comes Everybody, which is basically the whole story of the Pogues, which we've heard snippets of today. Not the whole story, the whole, <laughs> the whole beginning bit of the story, which is the only one really worth telling because yeah. a lot of people have said, oh, are you going to write part two from... Because I finished in 1991 when we get rid of... Um, well, yeah, we let Shane go in 1991, and that's the end. But then uh, the Pogues carried on, as I say, for another, another three or four years after that without Shane. Um, and we had Strummer singing for us at, mm -hmm. for, a, for a cycle, which was, which was great, but I don't write about that. And I don't write about the reunion phase from 2001 till 2014 because it's not a th it's, it's not a story really. That's the story is how like a bunch started, of guys yeah, get together, yeah. um, and then how um, how you cope with one of your number um, going foul of it. Yeah. Okay. Basically, and 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 how how uh, it's it's, it's, it's Sounds trite, and I can hear people in the band groaning about stuff like this, and I can't, I don't care really. But it's like, like all bands are like families in a in a in a sense, and and there's your idiot brother who's you know like just fucking it up for everybody, yeah, and how you cope with it. Yeah. I mean, the, the the thing about bands, I think, why people are so fascinated by them is it's they're they're not related i mean some bands mm. i was was two sets of brothers in me but it's it mm. is it's whatever links you together i mean the cliche of it being more than the individuals is true there's mm. absolutely it's like a chemical that, experiment yeah so that, gonna work that happens with that set of of yeah. people and and it's kind of fascinating and it it doesn't last forever and it, it'll have its ups and downs and but it's like the the moments when it works is what makes everyone like want to grasp back or yeah please let it happen again or something but i think and i think that's what fascinates people just in mm. general about what makes it work because they're choose a family but it's not even choosing yeah. a family because you come together by happenstance yeah by happenstance yeah and when, <coughs> when they work they're yeah. they're pretty cool mm. yeah absolutely and uh, and unique uh, and, but while we were talking about yeah. books, you have one coming up or getting ready to come out? or I, I, I know a, you've been writing. Yeah, I have one kind of short story CD thing coming out. Uh, and I'm, I'm thinking of doing a, like a personal essay story of my time from Chicago to coming out here following. Which the, is what you read which when is we what all worked I read, together. Yeah, right? which is what I read from. And I'm getting decent response on that. And so that's just getting underway. All right. A decent yeah. response from whom? Uh, couple so, so that sounds like I don't believe you. I no, don't no, no, no. <laughs> I mean, anyone I've kind of read to yeah. from from other because I got a huge kick out of that from when you yeah. when you read it out oh, loud at the, at the, yeah, at the hotel too. cafe. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and there's there's a couple there's a couple of smaller publishers I'm you know gonna talk to about hmm. running it out, but I'm kind of gonna write more of it first before I yeah kind of snoop because I write and then I also do you know like my tangent articles on like cycads or botany or those kind of things or short stories. <laughs> okay. but, uh, Do you get that stuff published? Here and there, yeah. There's right. a there's this company, Laboratory Arts here that does these kind of neat magazines. I have heard of that. that. Yeah. And I haven't done as much short story writing recently. But uh Well one thing I did find interesting and I think it's what you're just uh, talking about is this guy here. Oh, yeah. 
Now, and this is that people can get this, this is, right? Yeah, yeah, this exists. And uh, what's the name of it here? I can't hardly read I'm it. I'm sorry, so. Mr. Kendrick. There's a skull inside your head. Yes, of course. <laughs> uh, which is pretty, pretty fascinating. It's it short stories and short readings, but you've got them sort of soundtracked by musicians a lot of people would know. Yeah, musicians that have, net Gaze, have never X, done this before. That yeah. was kind of my idea. Yeah, so they all did, some did sound design, some did kind of background noises, some did kind of music. Yeah, they're really To your it. voice. To my voice. To yeah. the story. So I was yeah. sort of like scoring a film. Yeah. An audio film, if you From will. From one yeah. minute to 25 minutes. Yeah. All right. So they, you'd give them recording of your voice and then they would play to that. Yeah. Or would you do it live? No, you. No, no. They would do it. They would. Yeah. yeah do, take it to the. So actually, this uh, is an example of remote another, recording. Yeah. You, you and would it's send them the stuff, and they it would come back. Sort of collaborative. Yeah. yeah. And mm. there was only one or two that kind of didn't really work. I mean, I was sort of amazed, kind of for my, you know, that kind of how people's take on, on what they heard and some mm. only one guy really went in and kind of like cut up the songs and did the Brian Brian Geisen like stepped yeah. up and rearranged yeah. things and mutated the actual everyone else kind of left the stories as stories well, so he actually edited else. your stuff yeah a little bit he oh. would he would move stuff around or just break it you know and have like music oh, I see. Leads, yeah. that kind of thing all right yeah that's both so it was like. interesting yeah were you pissed off when he did that? No, I, I, mean, I thought <laughs> I'm sort of thinking about those it. were more. Well, it was. It worked for the ones he did because yeah. they were very. Yeah. It was short. It was a short, shorter set, and they All weren't. Right. They weren't as. They weren't linear stories yeah. as much. Okay. What are you guys up to besides you know doing your music? Is there anything else you're involved with just to kind of keep uh, the cash streams going in in our modern world that is not always so musician friendly? Yeah, I put my wife to work. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a lifelong musician favorite, I have yeah. to say. Yeah, it's hard. Oh yeah, no, indeed. Um, like, so the Pogues brought out whiskey. I don't know. Did he? Did I? Oh, tell I you? saw that. Pogues yeah. whiskey. Pogues whiskey. Now, there's a no-brainer if there ever was one. <laughs> All right. Are you part of that? Yeah. All right. Very good. So uh, we got an inquiry from um, uh, 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 a distiller in County Cork, Ireland, ah. to say, "How would you like to, you know, come together and see if we can put a, a Pogues whiskey together?" So we had conversations with them, and they sent samples, and we had the tastings and stuff like that. I couldn't get any of the samples into into my mouth because um, uh, I needed an import license to bring a little file of oh with whiskey in it to taste it. Huh. Got, it kept getting stuck at because um, at customs. Actually, a, um, a bridge. Um, over Pico under the 10 freeway like a subway is where there's a holding house for certain things that come into LAX so close <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> because you can actually see really? it on there because wow. they give you the, the tracking number oh and everything so can you just spin by there and just get it over the counter uh, or they could just throw it over the barbed exactly. wire or something <laughs> like that but I never managed I never got to taste the, the actual oh, wow. samples um, well, we're going to assume it's delicious. I mean, it's no, and, whiskey, and I have right? some bottles at home and stuff. Um, we're changing the product product up a bit because we want it to be a single malt. So the the, the next um, um, uh, incarnation of the whiskey will be a single malt. It was a blended thing with uh, oak aged. Yeah, that's, it's got to be single malt. That's not going to do. It. I think. Yeah. I, yeah. That's, so absolutely. So, but I was in England uh, the other week to go and meet with uh, distributors mm. in um, Liverpool, 
where they presented the new liquid and it is really fantastic actually um uh, i'm not much of a, a whiskey drinker if it reminds me of the first time that i went to ireland with the pogues opening for elvis costello back in 1984 where we drank whiskey and drank whiskey and and listened to irish music right away across the countryside um if it's going to remind me even remotely of that then it's then i think it's a good whiskey i don't know how long am i going to live for I think well, we like, hope a little yeah. while longer, James. I mean, I, you're I, looking I, pretty I, well. I hope so too. But I think it's mostly for our families. I would say, okay. because these things take a long time to yeah. actually get going. Um, so that's. Well, it sounds idea. like you're fairly yeah. underway. Like we might be seeing Pogues whiskey within the next. Yeah, no, it's months. down. It's down the street at the um, at the the one on. Um, you know what's it called? Uh, um, used to Mayfair. What's it called? That Gelson's. Gelson's. Gelson's has it. I'll go. No, not Gelson's. The one across the road. The um, oh, this fancy liquor the store thing with the cook little pizza as well. Yeah, they have it in there. I know what you're talking. Yeah. About. All right. Well, that was pretty obscure for anyone listening in. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right across from Gelson's. Yeah. In Kazakhstan. Yeah. And how, and how about you, David? What yeah. what what other ventures have you got going to? Uh, it's drumming. pretty much music and my song catalog. Uh, I mean, I am married, and uh, my wife's kind of animal rights and mm. does stuff. And now I've got a kid in high school. But uh, yeah, song catalog kind of places here and there. And uh, I mean, I still stay at it with half a dozen kind of different projects. But yeah, it definitely it's it's up and down, as they say. Yeah. Year by well, year. music music always is. Yeah. Even yeah. at the top, I think. But I mean, I I kind of like. I didn't have a lot of other options, and I kind of seems like I've kept, right. I've kind of sort of kept myself yeah. forced into All that because right. well, it's very good. Very good going. Do. Yeah. So. Well, I mean, I, I think it's very encouraging to, that you know people still have a lifelong career playing music at a pretty decent level, and it seems like we have. So, congratulations well, thanks. and well, thanks a lot. Forward, yeah. forward motion on everything. Yeah. I'm going to come out and see you at. Uh, and Molly's. Okay, that great. Like a good time. Yeah, and I, I can keep you apprised of future, Please. future things. And I'll, I'll post it, uh, you know, on the on the website okay. and all that stuff. Keep go. everyone uh, in notice. Well, so then I'm going to say good night and thank you. Thank you, guys. Say goodbye to everyone. Goodbye, all. Thank you much. Goodbye. Uh, nice to thank to, you very to much for coming over. Yeah. yeah. All right. Next up on the Tone Deaf Sessions, it's a very special metal show with Scott Carlson from Repulsion and Pat Hode from Brujeria.